Saints fans, I got one word for you after Saints 27, Falcons 26. We'll talk about it all coming up next on Datitude. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at New Orleans? I have one simple question for you. After Saints... 27, Falcons 26. What the hell was that? I mean, really. It's the only thing I can ask. The only thing I can think of all day long. First quarter, second quarter, third quarter, even the fourth quarter. What the hell was that? Which team are the real Saints? Because the first three quarters were miserable. The fourth quarter was brilliant. At least some of it was brilliant. And the Saints eke out a victory. What do you think we're going to be talking about here on Datitude, episode number 89 for a Monday, September the 12th, 2022. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times-Picayune, the advocate and bet.nola.com. And we got a packed show today. Packed show. We got my monologue. We got some comments from... Dennis Allen, want to hear from him. We got Dennis Allen in the locker room. We got Mike Thomas. You really can't guard Mike, can you? I mean, well, I mean, we know that I can't, you can't. But NFL cornerbacks can't cover him either. Injured, not injured, semi-injured, kind of injured. When he's on the field, he, they, they can't guard him. Period. It is what it is. Oh, my goodness. Where do we start? Well, we can start by telling you that in just a few minutes after my monologue here, Doug Mouton, WWL TV sports director, is going to come on and try to help decipher what the hell we saw yesterday. Then we got the common man fan. Ten minutes with the common man fan. Dave D squared to Corbier, who used to come on and last year he came on and he made predictions, but he was always, he picked the Saints. He's got a rule. He always picks the Saints. So we were texting back and forth yesterday. I thought he would be a perfect person to come on and get the common man, common man fans take. He got, he was a little offended when I called him the common man, but when then I told him, I mean, we're both common men. I mean, it's not nothing to be ashamed of. Common man. I mean, like the guy screaming at his TV. Like probably 90% of you did yesterday. Atlanta Falcons. Probably a four, if they're super lucky, a five-win team. And the Saints needed every ounce of magic in the fourth quarter to find a way to win. As Doug Mouton puts it, they needed... 11 of 12 things to go right, and they got 11 of 12. 
The only thing that didn't go right for the Saints, well, besides the, the dumb penalties, that, that was their own doing, was the ball that hit Marcus May in the six, and he dropped the interception. Other than that, everything else that could go right, Jameis Winston turned it on, and it went right. That leads me into Derry's Dime. My first Derry's Dime in, I don't know, eight months. Goes a little something like this. I'm not sure what Saints team we're going to see this year. We have overreaction Monday, especially early in the season, every year. This team is is greater than sliced bread. I told you this team was going to be good. I told you this team was going to be terrible. I told you this team was mediocre. I told you this team's coach stinks. I told you this team's coach is going to be awesome. I told you this player was going to be fantastic. I told you this player shouldn't be on the field. It happens every year. Weeks one, two, even three, four, sometimes. People talk about how great or terrible teams are after week one. And week one, 97% of the time, don't mean jack. It means a lot for the Dallas Cowboys, if you watched that game last night. And maybe to some extent, teams like the Indianapolis Colts, the Arizona Cardinals, maybe the Texans aren't as bad as we thought. Maybe the Lions are going to make some hay this year. Maybe the Vikings are better than Green Bay. A whole lot of maybes. But there's no more maybe, no bigger maybe, I don't think, in the NFL. No bigger maybe in the NFL than the New Orleans Saints. For three quarters, we saw yesterday the absolute floor of what this team can be and why I was scared to death of my massive future bets all over of the Saints over seven and a half wins. Because the floor of this team is way worse than seven and a half wins. And then, in the fourth quarter, we saw the ceiling of what this team can be. And not just because it was Atlanta playing whatever crappy defense they play and Atlanta doing what Atlanta does and wilting like a flower in the hot summer with no rainfall. It wasn't just because of that. The Saints did their thing. And they showed their ceiling, which is, frankly... 11, 12 wins in a division championship. But the question remains, what Saints team are we going to see this year? And the answer is, hell if I know. I mean, let's be honest. It's hell if I know. Because there were, was way more bad than good that came out of that victory. If you're a Saints fan, you were breathing a sigh of relief when Will Lutz kicked that field goal and then you were butt-clenching again when you realized there was still 25 seconds left and the Falcons drove down the field and Young Way Koo was about to try a 63-yard field goal. How many of you out there thought he was going to miss it? I know it's 63-yard, and there have only been, what, four or five 63-yard or 
plus field goals in the NFL, in the history of the NFL. But how many of you really thought he was going to miss it? Stop it. Stop it. Put your hand down. You're lying. You didn't think he was going to miss it. You thought he was going to make it. And frankly, if he had made it, the Saints would have deserved what they got. Go down the list. The coaching was absolutely horrendous. The offensive line play was worse. There was no running game besides Taysom Hill in the early going. Alvin Kamara was non-existent. Mark Ingram, did Mark Ingram play yesterday? Oh, wait a minute. They tried to run a Wildcat two-point conversion with him. Brilliant. Sheer brilliance. That's the play you run. The defense, the defensive front put no pressure on Marcus Mariota, who is a backup quarterback in the NFL pretending to be a starter. Marcus May made a couple nice plays, but nearly cost the Saints the the game with a chance to pick off a ball that, like I said, hit him right in the six. Marshawn Lattimore, what the hell were you thinking? Demario Davis had five tackles. Pete Werner made probably a game-saving play, a bright spot on defense for sure. But go down the list. Talk about it. And I haven't even talked about Jameis Winston because yet because it was a tale of two Jameis Winstons. And we know when it comes down to what this team is. Michael Thomas proved that when he's on the field and they look his way, you really can't guard Mike. I said it in the offseason. The biggest signing of the season was Jarvis Landry. He proved it. Not just because he can make, still make incredible catches because of his leadership on this team and what he's going to mean going forward. To me, the receiving core was the only real bright spot except for Jameis Winston in the fourth quarter. Which leads me to Jameis Winston. All you social media peeps and haters, get over yourselves. If you're blaming Jameis Winston for the first three quarters, he wasn't good. But he also had somebody in his face within about a second or a second and a half of the snap on almost every play. James Hurst got blown up. Andrus Pete, that'd be a nice way to say that he got blown up. Cesar Ruiz, God awful. I mean, where was the offensive line yesterday? So when you want to talk about Jameis Winston and put things into context, think about that. But here's what I'll say about what I saw from number two. When you let him roll, and you let him do his thing, he's a top seven or eight quarterback. He is. You can hate him all you want. That's who he is. The Jameis Winston you saw in the fourth quarter was a real starting NFL quarterback. What you saw from Marcus Mariota on the other side 
was a career backup. That's a nice change of pace, but you shouldn't be starting for four quarters, and they're going to get destroyed. So Jameis Winston will be just fine if not only the coaching staff lets him do his thing, but if Jameis Winston lets himself do his thing. Stop worrying about throwing interceptions. Of course, you can't have 30 interceptions. You can't throw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. It's got to be more like 35 and 10 or 35 and even 13 or even 15 you can probably live with. But you got to let loose. You got to play the way you played in the fourth quarter. Maybe not the completion percentage, but you got to let loose and let care be go to the wind. Because the Jameis Winston that we saw the first three quarters isn't going to win enough games for this team to make any noise. That has to do with as much of the coaching staff as it does Jameis Winston. The final moments of the game. Jameis Winston spiking the ball when the clock had stopped. Anybody could make that mistake. You know, it's easy to talk about after the fact and say how silly it was. But Jarvis Landry was running back to the line of scrimmage, and Dennis Allen said himself he thought the clock was running. And in the heat of the moment, it's easy to see how any player could do that. Give him a pass on that one. The second one, on third down, when you spike it, it's sure, of course you have to spike it. But now with 24 seconds left, you do it with four seconds left. And that's as much Jameis's fault as it is the coaching staff. There's a reason why speakers are in those helmets. Somebody's got to be telling them, now let's hold up here. Let's wait. And I don't want to hear, well, you wouldn't have had to tell Drew Brees that. Drew Brees is gone. He's not coming back. There is no Drew Brees out there. Stop comparing Jameis Winston to Drew Brees. It's like comparing Mac Jones to Tom Brady. If you're in New England, Tom Brady's gone, and he's not coming back. If you're in New Orleans, Drew Brees is gone, and he's not coming back. Jameis has the potential to lead this team to the playoffs, and who knows? But the problem is we just don't know what Saints team is going to play. Because we know that these Saints are not as bad as the team that played the first three quarters. That's their floor. We also know they're probably not as good as the one that played in the fourth quarter either. They got a whole lot of breaks. So are they closer to the fourth quarter team? Are they closer to the team from the first three quarters? I think if you listen to Dennis Allen, I think he's not even sure yet, and he's just relieved. Look, I said this a couple weeks ago. You guys asked me about the team, and and, uh, look, our team is tough and gritty, and that's what I love about them, and that's exactly the way they played in this game tonight. Um, It wasn't perfect. There's a ton of things that we got to get cleaned up. I told them all in there. Look, enjoy the win, but have tough skin tomorrow Um, because we're not going to win a lot of games playing the way that we did today. 
we're going to have to play a lot better um, if we expect to be the type of team that we think we can be. And so, um, but I'm proud of the way that they fought. They competed all the way to the end. We got a little something going when we got into a little bit more of a two-minute type of mode uh, with the offense and got a little rhythm going. So, um, <clears throat> so look, I'm happy that we won the game. Um, a lot of things that we got to cl get cleaned up and uh, we'll get back to work tomorrow and see if we can't get them cleaned up. What, what was kind of the advantage you guys were able to get going into the corner AF type offense? Uh, look, I don't know. I, I think we just kind of got into a little bit of a rhythm and um, got them in a little bit of a cover two initially, um, you know, on the first call it two minute drive. <clears throat> we hit a couple of balls down the field and, and, uh, and then they began to try to pressure us a little bit more as, as, as we kind of stayed with it. But, um, thought we got into a rhythm and, and Jameis looked good and, you know, a couple of throws down there in the red area to Mike T on some back shoulders were, were big plays. So uh, it was good to see him back out there. Dennis, you remember what you were feeling when Will was lined up for that go ahead field? I felt like he was going to knock it through. I felt like he was going to miss it. <laughs> well, you can laugh now. It's easy to laugh, but I don't think there were a lot of people laughing. Not wearing black and gold. Up until that last kick that was blocked. So we don't know what, real Saints, what the real Saints are. We're going to find out real soon. But we know what has to improve. You can't sleepwalk through any game in the NFL. It was, there was a noticeable difference without Sean Payton on the sideline. Is that an overreaction from one game? Probably. But they will have to figure it out because the game that Pete Carmichael called for the first three quarters, there's no other way to put it. It was terrible. The way the defense played throughout most of the game was not good. No running game to speak of except for Taysom Hill's long run. They've got to figure it out, and they've got to figure it out quickly because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are coming into town on Sunday. And there's people out there that will say, oh, we always beat Tampa Bay. We got Tom Brady's number. And then there's people out there that will say the complete opposite. This team stinks. So, just like the unrealistic fans, you have to realize that this team is somewhere in the, in the middle. And this roller coaster ride that you rode yesterday, don't expect it to end anytime soon. This roller coaster ride is going to last into January, and if you're lucky, into late January. We'll see. But the question remains, will the real Saints stand up? We'll find out very quickly. And that's my dime. Okay, it's, you know, it's like I said. I just hate, what, what bothers me is, I don't know why I go on social media. Because I don't really, I don't go on social media hardly at all on Sunday during a game. I don't go at all. Unless I'm in the dome and working and I have to. And then even then, I'm not reading a lot of stuff. I'm just posting stuff. And then Sunday nights, it's not much better. Because people, are, fans are unrealistic. 
I mean, we talked about overreaction to start this show. You can't overreact to one game. But had the Saints lost this game, it would not be an overreaction to say, maybe the season's not over after one game. Because I called this a must-win beforehand. Maybe the season wouldn't have been over. But the first nail in the coffin would have been in there. When you think about what's lying ahead and you lose to a team that is a potential four or five win team because that's, that's who the Saints played on Sunday. But they won it. And they're 1-0. And you don't have to think like that. But you're still like, Whew. Let's see what Doug Mouton is right now. Let's hear how he's reacting after the craziness of Sunday. Welcoming into the Dattitude Podcast this Monday morning, crazy Monday morning, WWL-TV Sports Director Doug Mouton. Douglas, what the hell was that? <laughs> the only thing I could tweet when the game ended was OMG. Um, look, Ricardo LeCompte and I were in the sports office watching the end of it, and all we did was scream. Like, it was just... It was bananas. Um, look, look, I thought the first drive that got them to within eight, as soon as they hit the first two passes on that drive, I wrote down, no matter what, now they've got some positive stuff to, 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 to use to build for next week. And that's the first thing I thought was good. Now you've got something positive to build on, um, not really even believing they could come all the way back from 16 down because hitting two twos is almost impossible. So I didn't, I honestly didn't really think it was possible. I just thought it was some good signs to build on, and then it, it just kept snowballing in a beautiful way. Let me just say this. You, can put, you could have put any positive spin on it you want. Had they lost to the Atlanta Falcons, um, I, there is no positive spin. Did this yeah, see, yeah. And, and look, I, am, it's, I don't want to be contradicting myself because I always, we always talk about in week one. I've talked about it on the show last year and every other show that I've been on and everything I've written. The overreaction from week one is immense. Yeah. However, right. however, if you lose to the Atlanta Falcons in week one, who they'll be lucky if they win four games this year, maybe five, yeah. super lucky. Then to me, you can write this script any way you want, but the ending to me is already in the books if you lose this game. You cannot lose. The, the, any, the coaches can say there's no such thing as a must win in week one. Sean Payton used to say that crap. But beating the Falcons in week one is a must win. Yeah, look, the Saints have had good seasons where within those good seasons, they've lost to a bad team. That happens. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, the Falcons, according to all of the sports books were the 31st best team in the NFL by yeah. projected win totals. Yeah. It, look, it was going to be hard, but, but look, I mean, it, it is 17 games and I'll say this, look in, 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 in 2017, which was the start of this current era, which was, I know it didn't have the playoff success, but was an amazingly incredibly successful era. 2017, they started 0 and 2. And then they went to Carolina in week three and one. And then they went to London in week four and one. And then they went on a nine-game winning streak, and it kicked off this incredible era, right? So starting 0-1, 
And then Tom, even if starting 0-2, it, it, it certainly wasn't over yet. There's a lot of feeling out to do, and you can see. Look, I thought the one thing, Jim, the one thing that killed him the most was just an inability to get any offensive rhythm going, but it wasn't just the players. But the play calling was just sort of generic and unimaginative. That's a nice way to put it. I thought, yeah, I, I thought it took three full quarters for Pete Carmichael to figure it out. And I'm not, the offensive line really never did figure it out. They just got into pure pass protection mode. They were lucky that the Falcons played back on their heels a little bit. Um, I mean, there's a lot to fix, but man, that fourth quarter. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I'm not as, as, as like cataclysmically over as you are if you don't win week one. I, I have seen, look, like I said, they were 0-2 in 17 and pulled themselves up and figured some stuff out. I still think they're talented, and it's a new coaching staff, and they're all figuring out their new roles. So I, I cut them a little slack for that. Luckily, we're not having to have that conversation, though, because, man, after three quarters, it was about as ugly, top to bottom, across the board as you can get. Here's the difference between 2017 and what you would have saw seen this year. Well, there's a few differences. Sean Payton, Dennis Allen, big difference. Yeah. Uh, no offense. But they played at Minnesota in week one. Yeah. And then Tom Brady in New England in week two. Yeah. So, and New England was coming off of a loss. They lost week one that year as well. So they were yeah. des- super desperate. So comparing losing to the Vikings in 2017 – to comparing to potentially losing to Atlanta in week one of this year, a two completely different things. And I wasn't ready to write off the season in 2017. They lost the first two games. Didn't look good, but losing Atlanta, especially a division game. And I, and I've said, and I, and I still say this, I think the saints have to, with the schedule they have and the tough toughness that you have later on in the season, I think they have to win two of these first three games at the minimum to get on track and to get where they want to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, two of the first three. Yeah, yeah. although like 17 games is a long time, and you're going to beat some teams that you're not supposed to be. I mean, last year, you know, they lost to Atlanta and the Giants, um, two of the worst teams in football. If you beat one and of them. Playoffs. Like, exactly. Yeah, right. I mean, you, you, can, you can have a mulligan and be fine. Um, because, look, this team has beaten a lot of teams they weren't supposed to beat. But, look, either way, we, we don't have to talk about hypotheticals for what if they didn't put it together. Luckily, we could talk about what actually happened, was that they uh, crazy rallied in the fourth quarter, on uh, got a little bit lucky on defense. Um, and look, Mariota dropping that third down and one, oh, yeah. uh, that snap doesn't go bad. They get that first down, and it's over. Well, if, if Marcus May ca- uh, hit, catches the ball that hits him in the six, for uh, then, sure. I mean, then it's also I mean, so many different things that happen. I'll say this: Lattimore gets that personal foul, and uh, that Falcon kicker. I'm thinking this guy can make this kick. Oh, that's no question. Like, I had my level of confidence even going into that final kick was not super high. And the good thing is, you've invested in all this length, like Peyton Turner. And the one thing about a a field goal beyond 50 is it's got to be low. So, and you see, they got that length up as high as they could. Yeah. Sure enough, they were able to get a piece of it. And it, and oh, it was, great. it was this, they needed 11 things to go exactly right in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Marcus may makes the interception. That would have been made it a little. So I, so I guess 11 out of 12, went right. 
But they had so everything went so beautifully right in that fourth quarter. And, and look, now now you got plenty to grow on, plenty of good stuff to talk about, plenty to fix, and you do it at one and out. Well, speaking of that, let's uh, let's hear. You know, just think about how different that this locker room chat that Dennis Allen had with his team would have been had they not got those 11 or 12 things. Let's let's hear what they had to, to say in the locker room. It was a little, little fun, I think. I couldn't be more proud of you guys for the way you fought and battled and competed all the way to the very end. Okay? Now, I said this a few weeks ago when the media asked me about our team. Yes. Sorry, see what I said. We are a top three team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And that's what we are. Sorry, okay, now, I'll say this. Sorry, Mr. B. <laughs> hey, tomorrow, we got to have some thick skin. Because there is a lot we got to get cleaned up. Yes, sir. All right? We're not going to continue to win games that way, all right, if we play the way that we, we did today, especially in the first half. All right? So come in tomorrow with some thick skin, all right, ready to get better. But this is why we go through all the stuff that we went through in training camp. This is why it's so difficult and so hard in training camp. So we're ready for moments like this. And I said, I said it last week, I'll say it again. Okay, this ain't gonna be the last time we do this. Okay, hell of a job. Proud of you guys. Let's make sure we take care of ourselves tonight. Yeah. Yes, sir. First guys. But at the same time, you know, what I picked out of there is this isn't going to be the last one like this. Um, I think Dennis Allen knows that I think the first three quarters, which you saw was the floor of this football team. And we talk about it before the season that it scared the hell out of me that every media member in New Orleans, all 27 of them that Duncan talked to, all picked the Saints to go over. Nine wins. They out that not even the eight and a half or the seven and a half that we talked about early in the you know in the summer. But that's why it scares me. Because the floor of this team is the the team you saw the first three quarters. And the ceiling of this team is the team you saw in the fourth quarter. And there was no in between, and I don't know which one is which. <laughs> I like that. There's no, there is no in between, and it was literally we we, we saw a one and we saw a ten. Um, right. Yeah. Obviously, I, I, they lie somewhere in between. Are they going to throw for 213 yards in the fourth quarter? You know, extrapolate that. That's 852 for the game. Uh, they're they're not going to be that good. Uh, look, I will say this. Look, you saw in the fourth quarter when you get those three receivers all running in. And I did find it interesting that the the fourth receiver going out was Juwan Johnson, yes. who's the athletic. And he look, thirteen completions in the in the fourth quarter, fourteen if you count the two point conversion, which isn't officially a pass, but fourteen completions in the fourth quarter. Two of them went to Juwan Johnson, and they were big ones. Four of them went to Mike Thomas. Four of them went to Jarvis Landry. Um, 
you saw when those four guys, when they were in in the pattern together, they they found separation. Jameis ripped it to him. Uh, that was the, that was the passing game. That was what we had seen in training camp. That was where the the optimism had come from. Was, was seeing those guys look Jarvis Landry almost an afterthought. Look, he's the late free agent signing. If anybody had really wanted him, you they could have had him. The Saints got him for a bargain basement price. And the play he made on the final drive to go high point the 40-yarder oh, that yeah. set up the game-winning field goal, he doesn't make that play. And I still, given everything else, I don't think you win. Um, 100%. So that's what we had seen during training camp. That's where the optimism came from. When, when Jameis is just ripping, he is something. Now, they're going to have to find a way to, to, to marry the wild, uncontrolled, and put it together in the first three quarters. Um, I do think a lot of it was Pete Carmichael and a ton of it was the offensive line, but some of it was on Jameis, too. Just well, everything was bad. It, it, listening to Dennis Allen, and as it was great to hear him talk the way that he talked. Um, and warn these guys. He's not. He wasn't talking about us and how bad Monday was going to be, because the media is. Well, they're probably going to give him somewhat of a pass. They're probably not going to get on his ass too hard. But uh, it was obviously more about what they're going to see in film. Oh yeah, and for the sure. Stuff they're not going to like. But you could also hear the relief in his voice, and yeah. and what would have been what the mood would have been like all week head into a Tampa game. This isn't a Sean Payton team where you, where players are going to have confidence and, and be confident that they're going to find a way after losing Atlanta. You could, you could mark Owen two in stone. Had they lost, I don't care what you do. Had they lost yesterday, you can mark Owen two in stone. Now with the confidence that they have, maybe they can put something together because they're going to have to figure something out defensively for the surgically uh, rebalanced Tom Brady's face. Um, I don't know what's going on with that. That's a whole new story. I, I mean, it, it's they, they can do it now, I think. You know, I'm not saying they will. I haven't made my prediction yet. But at least the confidence that they got from that fourth quarter changes everything going into the, this week, which obviously when you play Tampa Bay, one of the biggest weeks of the season. Oh, uh, yeah. And look – in the, over the last three seasons, it's 34 regular season games. The Saints have given up 200 yards rushing three times now. And it was twice to Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts and once to Marcus Mariota. For whatever reason, they have not cracked the code on the read option running game. No. Saints had zero sacks and they had no pressure on Mariota. Now, Mariota did nothing to beat them passing. His quarterback rating was a 79, which is well below average. But he killed them running the ball and, and with his decisions when to go to Cordero Patterson. The Saints had not cracked that code. Now they're going to see it again against Philadelphia. They're going to see it again when they play Atlanta again. And they're going to have to figure out how to stop that offense. Against traditional offenses, they are significantly better. And Tom Brady is as tra- Tom Brady's not going to beat them. But he's completely <laughs> different. He's completely different, obviously. Yeah, I mean, he's, well, he's not going to run around like Mario. <laughs> What, what I'm saying is the defensive problems, I don't – I mean, they go – they don't go away, but they, they don't exist like this because what you did was so uh, rooted to that – trying to play that defense, and they just haven't been good at th- playing that offense. They haven't been good at it, and 
They've shown no improvements against that style of offense, but they're not going to play that style of offense this week. So I think you throw it with the defensive. The real concerning part to me is is what the offensive line did. I honestly thought they would be significantly better than they were. They gave up four sacks. I thought one of them was Jameis holding the ball too long. And the other three, Jameis didn't really have a chance. Um, He was pressured. Uh, There was no running gaps, really, for Alvin Kamara. He had a couple of plays to Taysom Hill, but you're not going to live on a couple of plays in a game. Kamara was not They have to play significantly better um, against Tampa. Look, Tampa's defense looked terrific last night, and you got to be way better to play against them. I've got to be honest, and I know that, look, I've been around this social media game for long enough now to know, and I couldn't look. One thing I have done over the past several years is not look at social media on Sunday during a game. I normally don't look at it after a game, and a lot of times I don't even look at it on Monday. So I haven't looked at social media yet. But I'm guessing that the the little chirpy birds are out there all over Jameis's keister. And the first three quarters, now look, he made some dumb mistakes. I mean, at the end of the game, he he did some things that that nearly cost his team the game, even though he got he got him back in. But at the same time, throughout those first three quarters, I mean, he would grab the ball, and before he could even cock his arm back, somebody's in his face. The offensive line was awful. But I, I this is what bothers me as the fan part of me and not the, the sports writer part of me. I thought Pete Mar- Carmichael was overwhelmed, overmatched. He didn't have someone in his ear to help him. It was clear and obvious, and and I hope that I'm wrong that he can change that. But to me, you've been on that sideline now for 15 years, buddy. That I don't know where you thought you were, but somebody's got to be whispering in Jane. And, and then you put all the first three quarters aside and forget about the spike in the ball when the clock was stopped. Somebody's got to be yelling at Jameis Winston on third down not to go spike the ball with 25 seconds left. That that that's as much the coach's fault. He's got a speaker in his helmet for a reason. That's as much as the coach's fault as it is Jameis's. So I mean, to me, Pete Carmichael was awful yesterday, and and I, I mean, I, I I hope that changes, but he was overwhelmed and overmatched as much as any player on the field was. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I'm not going to go as I know you're not. I know you're not, and that's okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I look, the fourth quarter was terrific. I think the, obviously the fourth quarter wipes away a lot of it. Now we'll say about the the spike when. First of all, I thought the same thing. Dennis Allen 100% took that on him. He said that was his mistake. So apparently he did tell Jameis or was making a motion to spike it because Dennis Allen said after the game that was 100% on him. The first one's understandable. I thought the clock was running too. I didn't really. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, if you watch it, he does get touched. It should have been what we watched. And Jarvis, is, and Jarvis is running back to the line. So all Jameis sees is, is probably here's Dennis Allen saying and, that. And the sidelines telling him to spike it. That one was not on Jameis. You're right. The one at the end of the game with 25 seconds. You, yeah, you, you, you play – for a first down, you do something. You don't need to spike it there. You can actually play the play out. Well, you uh, can spike it, but do it with four seconds left. Don't do it with 20. Yeah, okay, right. Left. For sure, for sure, for sure, yeah. They le- leaving the Falcons a couple of plays <laughs> didn't yeah. help. You're right. But but you're right. That's That's got to be on coaching, too. you got to help your quarterback in that instance. That's um, an experience there. That wouldn't, yeah. happen, that wouldn't have happened last year. But, I but mean, I'll the rest that, of it might have, maybe, but that, that, that wouldn't have happened last year. Right. No, no, no. I, I would not disagree with that. And look, going back to 17, I think, look, the Saints had come off 
14, 15, and 16 at 7 and 9, 7 and 9, 7 and 9. That team was was primed to fail. You know what I mean? Like you said, it's not the same because of Sean Payton and all that. Man, at that time, that team didn't feel like what the team in 2020 or 2021 felt like. They had they had three straight years of talking about Sean Payton. Is he done? Of yeah. three down years, and then they went 0 and 2 and still put it together. That's why I'm I I, I don't believe you said week one overreaction. The bounty gate was still. Uh... Lingering I that over. Was not by 16, it wasn't. I mean, Bounty Gate was five years in the past by 16, and you're seven and nine. You haven't pulled yourself out of a hole in three years. And those years, we're talking in the offseason, are the Saints going to get rid of Sean Petty? So at the beginning of 17, when they were 0-2 after three straight losing seasons, yeah. look, there were, there were not many people thinking this team's about ready to go on a nine-game run. Yeah, I didn't. I say that just to say... I never, well, first of all, just my nature, I'm always going to look for the optimistic side. But second of all, like, I, I don't believe in the cataclysmic. I like, I, like I, because I saw that 17 team pull itself off of the dirt with a whole bunch of rookies that we had no idea who these guys were and run off nine straight after three straight losing years and an 0-2 start. So even if they had lost in Atlanta, I wouldn't have. Put a fork. Now, look, if they had played the fourth quarter like the first three, it, it, it would have been hard to find anything to feel good about. But but even after that first drive, and I'll say this, look, say whatever you want about Jameis. Here's what I would ask you to do. Look at those, and when I say he was 13 or 15, he missed one to Juwan Johnson, and then the other one was the spike. Yeah. Look at those 14 completions where he put the ball, how he put it there. The touchdown to Mike Thomas, the second one, I'm getting them mixed up because I, I run replays so much. I can't remember which one was which. The one that he ripped, that Thomas snags out of the air. I will tell you, just look at those passes, how he ripped them and where he put them. And if you don't feel like, okay, this guy can play quarterback, he may not be perfect, but man, he can rip it like few guys in the league. And he did in that fourth quarter. Look, the bomb, the Jarvis, the 40 order, they get the ball back. It, it, time's running out. They got the ball back at their own, what, 11. I told Ricardo, I said, all right, they need 40 yards to have a shot. They got it at the 20. They got the 10 yards. I said, they need 40 yards to have a shot. Well, the first play, they go get 40 yards. It, it was, it was a, it, that, those shots in the fourth quarter, that doesn't make you think this team can do some stuff. I mean, I don't know. Just watch it. Watch that fourth quarter again. Here's the thing with Jameis. I think the fourth quarter proves that you have to just let him go. You have to take the, the bad with the good. Don't try to don't. And, and part of it's Jameis's fault. I think he's scared to make a mistake. And we talked about this last year. He started finally getting in his groove. But the fourth quarter, he can't he couldn't worry about making a mistake. And when you when you take that off of his shoulders, let him throw fifteen interceptions. It's okay. Yeah. That's who he is. But to have the Jameis that this team needs to have, you just need to let him roll with it. And he's gonna again, he's gonna make his mistakes. But when he goes out there and just doesn't think about what bad could happen, he go he he is as good as as. 85% of the other quarterbacks in, in the NFL. I mean, that, and I don't say he's good as better than. I yeah. mean, I think he's a top six or seven quarterback when you just let him go play. But yeah. if he's always worried about making these mistakes, 
That, that's the well, problem. That's, that's the thing. You know, you've got 17 games to figure that out. And that is something that at least in one quarter, they got that right. And, man, um, I, like I said, go back and watch those plays and, and watch where he put them and how he got it there. You give him a little protection with those receivers, and he's going to put up some numbers. Well, they definitely flipped the switch. All right, the last bad thing, because I, I want to talk more about good things. Let me talk a little bit about good things. The last bad thing, where the hell was Alvin Kamara? Yeah, well, he had nowhere to run. Uh, it, look, if you watch those plays, and I, I looked at Alvin Kamara's runs again last night, he, he, Alvin Kamara had no shot. It, it, th- those, there was not a play that I thought, actually, there was one. One of the sacks, I think. Um, I had Bryce Brown, the car football coach, on fourth down on four last night, and I asked him, because he's an offensive line guy, and I asked him he's if he saw the individual. sacks. What's that? A large individual. And, and a great high school football coach, one of the oh, best gosh. in the, in the state of Louisiana. And I asked him about, he, about one of those sacks where the blitzer comes between, actually it happened twice between uh, James Hurst and Andres Pete. And it looked like on one of them, Kamara should have come inside and picked it up. I think one of the sacks might've been on Kamara. Um, and that was, but literally that's the only thing that I would say was on Kamara. He had no holes. The offensive line got nothing done. Um, you, you, you have to do something to fix that. And not having Trevor Penning makes me a little sad now. Um, one of the sacks came on James Hurst. That was the one that I thought Jameis might have held it too long. And then two of them came between Hurst and Pete. Atlanta identified that side and that gap as a place to exploit. They got two sacks through that gap. And then one of them was just Cesar Ruiz getting beat. Um, one Cesar of them Ruiz was hard. By, by Grady Jarrett. And Ruiz was not good. Um, yeah, yeah. Horrible. Look, that is that is without que- the defensive things. You're not going to see that offense again. So I don't know what defense we're going to see next week. I, I expect it to be significantly better. But the offensive line, you're going to see a more talented front next week. And you have to you literally have to go from a two. And the only reason I give him a two is because at least in the fourth quarter, James, you got to go from a two to a nine in one week. There's no question about it. And even if you flip screen passes to Kamara, you've got to get him involved. Nine carries. Yeah. I don't yeah. care if you can't fit through holes or not. Nine carries is unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, no, no, I get it. Carl well, Michael, go the take a look at the stats. It was only three and outs. Well, I mean, I understand that, but he's, he's we 34 passes. You know, they, yeah, 15 got, of the fourth quarter. So he only had 19 in the first three quarters. Only 19 passes yeah, well, in the first three quarters. And nine runs to Kamara. And, uh, and two to Taysom Hill, right? Or three to Taysom Hill. So three. so actually, the balance wasn't really that off. It's four, just you never had the ball. Four, four carries for Taysom Hill. Speaking four. of which. Right, okay. Speaking of which, that last two-point conversion, whoever called that play, um, throw that one out of the playbook. Yeah, whoever even approved, Jonathan Vilma on TV. Whoever who, approved that play. criticized. <laughs> even he called and said he didn't like it. Yeah, that was without question the worst play call of the day. I mean, look, Jameis is literally on fire. Exactly. Any video exactly. game, he's full red with flames coming out of his shoes. How does? Right. How do you not give him a shot at it? And if not him, at least give it to Taysom Hill, who has run over. But you know what, though, that is something that Peyton would do. Peyton is like overthinking pull it. The, pull the Lanyap card out. I've got this play in the book by God, and we're gonna use it. That was actually a Sean Payton moment there. Yeah, that, that was the no, you're right. cross all day. Honestly, I had forgotten that play call. That play call was horrific. No question. 
the, right. the second to how, how do you not give Jameis a shot at it? How do you, you not have to? Jameis runs you down the field two series in a row, and you say, like "Okay, was, we're going like, to run like the wildcat." With he, he, he looked at, it looked as hard as like he was making a sandwich. You know what I mean? Like it was exactly. like the easiest thing on earth. Like he just first touchdown draw, four plays, bang, right. touchdown, two point conversion. Done. And Thomas like, wasn't even on the field. Touchdown. Let's take it out of his hands. And they took Thomas off the field. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, it was clear they were going to run the ball some kind yeah. of way. And when you see 22 in the backfield, I mean, even the Falcons can figure that out. And they're certainly not being accused of being rocket scientists in Atlanta. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. I, 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 <laughs> only Atlanta could have screwed that up like they screwed that up yesterday. That I mean, seriously. Yeah, no, yeah. They were I, lucky to be playing Atlanta. I saw, and, and I'm not talking about just because Atlanta's bad. I'm just saying that only Atlanta could screw that up like Atlanta <laughs> screwed it up. And, it, and, and they it really did. Hard. I mean, they, Atlanta literally had like seven chances to put that thing away in the fourth quarter, and they, they swung and missed all seven times. Douglas, it warms the cockles of my heart. It really does. I mean, it's <laughs> well, you're look, in fourth down on four, the first thing I showed was Big Ben. Like, oh, that's, you that's know what? what? It's, I, look, they're down two scores in the fourth quarter, just like the Saints were, and they, and they pull off a miracle that, and I'm in the dome for that, that left all of us going, wait, what the hell? Just I happened? had my son and my nephew in here, okay, and they're both 20-somethings. And, you had to tell and I'm them like, I said, it's 1978 all over yeah. again, and they're yeah. like, what the hell? I'm like, yeah, right, I'll explain right. it to you right. later. And yo, just YouTube it. It's, it's there. <laughs> it's, I mean, uh, the oh, it's easy What's to find. Name? Alfred Jackson? Alfred, Alfred, yeah, yeah, Alfred Jackson was Steve the one Markowski. who – Here's the thing. The pass from Markowski doesn't even reach the end zone. Like, it, it, it comes down at, like, the 10 gets tipped up over the DBs, and Alfred Jackson catches it behind everyone and, and then, runs the last 10 Then yards. they did it again the next time they played him later that yeah. season. Yeah. Uh, that was the yeah. 1978 Saints, by the way. Go, yeah, that was right. Go, go. Yeah, and, 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 and the well, 79 season. Looking it up, in 78, when they hit Big Ben, and for anybody who's not at least uh, old as 25 us. years old, they don't know this, Saints had never had a winning season. The Saints were 5-5 right. five and five when they played Atlanta in that game. That was Dick Nolan at his height when he, yeah. had, he actually had some talent. That's Chuck Muncie and Tony Galbraith and Wes Chandler and Archie Manning at the top of his game. Yeah. He had some offensive talent. He wins that game. They're 6-5 and five yeah. in 78. They, they had and a little said, problem with the snow after that, and I'm not talking about – Legitimate. Oh, you mean the team as a team? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not talking about 32 degree ice. Look, I will say in 1978, and that's the height of the disco era. That's when all of America had a problem with the snow. All of America. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you watch Narcos and those shows, like like that was real. Like the streets of New Orleans were filled, and I'm sure a lot of other cities. Oh, it's so different. It's yeah. so different today. All right, that's yeah. a whole different story. All right, we're not it is. No, look, I, when I was interning at Channel 6, I never got offered more drugs walking through the French Quarter on, on a daily basis than well, I mean, now, those. Now you can't walk anywhere without a smell, a certain smell going well, on. Oh, sure, because it's legal. herbal smell. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a whole different story. Uh, anyway. All right. I don't know how we got on that. All right. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, you brought, I know how we got. You brought it up. I brought don't, you it say, up. I don't, I don't you bring something up and say, I don't know how we got there. We got I there say whatever I want. I, 
that, that doesn't mean that I'm telling the truth. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the Jim Derry. There's a Jim Derry crisis plan. Yeah, we well, a crisis. You should have so- heard my monologue. <laughs> um, all right, five. We got about five to seven minutes left. I want to <laughs> ask you some some questions here. Um, we're going to call us. How are we going to call this? I'm going to ask you some questions, and you can tell me whether you not questions. I'll make a statement, and you tell me whether I'm. Overreacting, or you could say, I can tell you now, overreacting. Yeah, you're right. Okay, overreacting. All right. Um, the the Saints, and and actually, I'll just bring up some topics, and you and you you can say whether it's bad or good, whatever, however you want to say it. (laughs) How we'll make it up as we go. I'm completely making this up on the on the fly. But the Saints' offensive line, are we overreacting to say that they are? We have a lot of problems there, or are we saying, hold the phone? No, no, no. I don't think we're overreacting, although I'll say this. Rui, I mean, uh, 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 Eric McCoy was solid. Ryan Ramchek was solid. Um, the other three guys, I saw issues with all three. I do think, look, Ruiz got better in training camp. We didn't see it in game one. I'm hoping we see it. You were, That's not an overreaction. We, we need to see demonstrated betterness from that offensive line. Some of it was concept. Like I said, Atlanta beat them twice in the same gap. So clearly they saw something. Um, I mean, two of the sacks, not just pressures. Um, look, in quarterback hits, Atlanta had eight on Jameis. You know how many the Saints had? The Saints had one. one. How often does one team have four sacks and eight quarterback hits? The other team have zero and one. And the zero and one team actually won the game. That's part of the beauty of playing Atlanta. I do not think that's an overreaction. The offensive line is going to have to play much better, and they're going to have to do it with these guys. No, 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 no helps coming right. for at least the next seven or eight weeks. Okay, something I touched on earlier. We are. I, uh, if you're a Saints fan, you're scared to death of Pete Carmichael calling plays without Sean Payton whispering in his ear. I think there's concern. I think that's a legitimate concern. I would say give the guy a shot. I mean, that that this was one game without that. I know you're going to say he's been doing this for 15 years. I get that. But you do it for 15 years, and then it's all yours. That's different. You can work in a place for 15 years and then become the boss, and it is a different set of circumstances. I would say there is concern from a one to a 10, maybe a four or five, because I, I think he could do it. Like I, I have confidence, but we got to see better than we saw. So I think there it's a legitimate concern. I certainly don't think it's like the sky is falling at this point. It's um, like, react. it's like your big brother is holding your mom's expensive vase for 15 <laughs> years and you get to every now and then polish it. And yeah. now big brother moved out of the house and you have to hold it without dropping yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a whole look. Anybody who's ever been a boss can relate to that. It's not the same, and he's got it all on him, and he's got to do better. My guess is he's going to figure. I think Pete Carmichael's a smart guy. I think he's a. I think he can be a really good play caller. I think he's going to be okay. But but there's certainly the eyes are a little more wide open watching. Overreaction or uh oh, Marcus May, what in the hell? He, well, um, wait, you're talking about from a football standpoint, right? Oh, yeah, from football standpoint. I'm not okay. talking about the off-the-field crap. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he did have the one punch out, and he caused a fumble. Um, he, he, he did some things that weren't great, too. Um, 
I'm hoping look, I, I, I'm reserving judgment on all defensive things just because it was the stupid read option, which the Saints have everybody else in the NFL knows how to play it because it's not that successful in an offense. And I'll say this, if Atlanta runs that read option for 17 weeks, there's no way Marcus Mariota's playing the whole season. I agree with that. Like, it's the reason NFL teams don't do that, is you're going to destroy your quarterback. Jalen Hurts might be the one quarterback because he's so huge. And Jalen Hurts is smarter about not taking hits than Mariota. Kyler Murray could do it if he wanted to, but he won't. Who could? Kyler Murray could do it if he wanted to, but they don't. He could if he wanted to, but look, at at his size, I'm not sure he wouldn't get destroyed, did. Um, Jalen Hurts has has been able to do it because, A, he protects himself way better than Mariota did, and, B, because he's physically much bigger. You cannot survive. It's the reason teams don't do it. But anyway, everyone seems to play that offense better than the Saints. Saints have no idea how to play that offense. I don't know why, but I've seen it three times in the last three years, and the Saints are horrible against that offense every time. Michael Thomas, is he really fully – I'm interested to think – here's my theory, and I'm interested to see if you agree with it. I think they kind of held him back and almost as if to say, if we don't need him Sunday, let's not, let's not test it. And then it was like, holy crap, can't guard Mike's got to get in there, and he did his yeah. thing. Yeah, he, he was terrific in the fourth quarter. I, look, I, I would agree with you. He doesn't seem – look, 149 passes in 19. It's the most – Oh, that's never going to happen has caught in the history of the NFL. Yeah. Are we gonna, is that going to be his peak season? My guess is yes. That's going to be the greatest season we're going to see out of Mike Thomas. Right. Do they need that guy? Not, not on this team. I mean, they need him to be Mike Thomas. What he did in the fourth quarter certainly gives you reason for optimism. I do still think he's in the ramp-up process. What I saw was at least 80% of Mike Thomas and hopefully we'll see more as the season wears on. But what we saw in the fourth quarter was awful good. Look, the one he snatches in the corner of the end zone was just brilliant. And the great thing about Mike Thomas is he needs like this much separation to make a play. Yeah, he and, doesn't need much. Right, he needs like that much. All right. And then the last question on the Saints, because I, I want to give you two, three minutes on LSU. And I know we're not giving LSU a lot of time, and I, and I haven't. But it, Well, I'll say this. We when you play at FCS school, when you play an FCS school, you don't earn that time. Yeah, like on fourth down on four, we gave LSU two minutes, and I'm fine with that because when you play an FCS school, that's what you get. Now, next week for Mississippi State for the SEC opener, we'll blow it out. Um, you earn what you get. And if you, if you want to play, you know, a game to win and to make a little money, you know, hey, knock yourself out. But that doesn't mean I'm going to go crazy analyzing a game against an FCS school. It'll, it'll, Level of talent is too cataclysmic. We will get there uh, soon for LSU fans. That oh, for sure. Oh, my God. They're going to have plenty of meaningful games. And, and you guys are going to have plenty of uh, live, like, pregame stuff. And then oh, we have, oh yeah. 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 Tiger stuff. I know that's We've we already had one. <laughs> we had one preseason. But, yes, for, especially if they didn't roll off a few wins. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's uh, okay. Um, so, my last question on the Saints is, how are they closer to the team that we saw the first three? I mean, we know that they're neither the team yeah. that saw the first three yeah. quarters yeah. nor the team that we saw in the fourth quarter. They're, they're neither one of those. 
Are they closer to the one that we saw in the first three quarters? Or are they closer to the one we saw in the fourth quarter? Well, I, look, we're going to find out over the next few weeks. I hope they're closer to the one in the fourth quarter. But but look, look, the offensive line is a legitimate concern. And, and if they get blown up against Tampa like they did against Atlanta, then they're closer, unfortunately, to the one in the first three quarters. I think anybody – that's a guess. I hope it's the one in the fourth quarter. Look, I think it's the one in the fourth quarter. But – there's more doubt today than there was for me a few days before that game because Dallas. I saw that offensive line got beaten up in a way that I didn't think they would. Dallas's offensive line looked a whole lot worse than the Saints' offensive. Yeah, line. no, yeah, look, Dallas is a disaster, and and I'm not mad about that. Um, yeah, but Dallas is a disaster. They're, I mean, they're beyond uh, a disaster now. And I look, yeah. I don't, I don't do a lot of overreactions. Um, I really do. I call everything overreaction Monday. Yeah. Um, you cannot overreact if you're a Cowboys fan. There's no overreacting. The Cowboys are in deep, deep fecal matter. Yeah. Up to their neck. Up to their yeah. neck. So that's their problem. Yes, yeah, so I mean, Dak Prescott was their only hope. Yeah, he's done. Make something out of nothing, and he's gone six to eight weeks. Yeah, well, I mean, by the time he comes back, they might be two and six. Okay, um, LSU, I do want to talk about, look, I, I know you don't take a whole lot from beating Southern. But that being said, the fact that they came out of what happened last Sunday night and were so efficient and so thorough right off the bat says a whole lot to me about Brian Kelly instilling confidence into this team and Jaden Daniels being able to shake off what happened and the defense being able there's a whole lot of good. I don't care what it, it, it doesn't matter that it's Southern. It was just the way that it happened to me. There was a different team and a different mindset. Yeah, well, two things for me stood out in this game, and it's hard to make big, uh, you know, judgments based on playing an FCS team, and I, I don't mean that in any way against Southern. Look, when Nichols went to ULM, and our sports photographer, Adam Ney, is a ULM graduate, and he said, I think this game's going to be close. I said, Adam, there is a gap in talent between right. FCS and FBS. I said, ULM is significantly better than Nichols. I don't mean that in any way against Nichols. And right. sure enough, ULM, who was 2-10 and 10 last year, or whatever they were, it was That's bad. They were 2-10, I believe. Yeah, they, they, they won 35-7. Like, okay, but... but it was I came away with, and they pulled away. I came away with two things. Um, one, I think the gap between Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer, which may have been like this, is now significant. I think they can't, they can't see you, but they're they're pulling. Oh, they can't see me. No, oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry, I can see me. Uh, yes, the gap went from like an inch to like a, a yard. Like Jaden Daniels, said, clearly you see why he's starting and what he can do and how he can help. And and I, th- I think your confidence should have grown in him being able to win SEC games. That's one. And two, I really liked what Brian Kelly said afterwards, because he said, excuse me. He said a lot of what went wrong in the first game was him over coaching him, over stressing him, getting into players heads too much and not letting them just go. And he took it on him. And honestly, if you watch the way they played, it totally made sense. And Hopefully, we'll see a freer, easier LSU team. And look, Mississippi State looked good Saturday. Um, yeah, they did. They looked good. This is last a legitimate. This is a legitimate SEC opener that we're really going to learn. Have they grown from that week one? We're going to see a lot. I'm very wow. excited for Saturday. I'll say this: um, the 
Yeah, I did look at social media on Saturday night for some unknown reason. And the idiots that think that Brian Kelly is a terrible coach because they blew one game, his first game and in Baton Rouge, and anyone, this is and I'm gonna I'm gonna quote myself here. The people who think that Nussmeyer should be starting over Jaden Daniels need to stop watching football immediately, dig themselves a really deep hole, dive in it, and pull the dirt over their heads. I mean, this is the kind of things that I was reading on 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 Saturday night. I mean, even after the Southern game, that they're talking bad, still talking bad about Brian Kelly, and talking bad about Jaden Daniels. What is wrong with people, Doug Mouton? Well, okay, I'll tell you what's wrong. You're reading social media. So I would say what's wrong with you. You got a point. You you, absolutely have a point. If you're going to Twitter and Facebook comments for, you know, for the the height of of analytical expression, you're not going to get it. You got a point, Doug. You really do. And I, I shouldn't say that because, look, a lot of the world we live in in sports is. Well, I so, know, and they, they have to follow us. So if we don't get and, them to follow us. And, and, yes, and I, I read as much as I have to for work, but I, I mean, I try not to. Look, I'll say this too for the Saints. I try because I, I do a commentary on the touch screen where I'm swiping boards. Yeah, that's pretty good. Night, you're and you're I try really not, good with that, by the way. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. I try not to, and, and I, actually I stayed up till 4 a.m. last night writing it. And then today, all day, I'm building a, a 50-something page PowerPoint. But that's just what I do. But I try not to read other people because if you listen to people's opinions, it's hard not to be influenced by it. So I try my best to not listen to other people until I'm done writing. Um, but look, I, I mean, I think this game, honestly, is one of the most obvious for what was good and what was bad. I mean, the offensive line was terrible. Um, I, the, the one thing is I would cut Saints defense slack just because it's a stupid read option offense that they have no clue how to play. And they won't see it for at least the next five weeks. So we don't even we, – we're not even going to have to worry about that for like the next five weeks. We'll see what they They might do. have a different coach in five weeks. Uh, I don't, they need to bring in a read option defensive specialist. You lose a game like that, you got to make change. I mean, you got to do something. I mean, Cordero Patterson's a good player, but he had 120 yards and some gaping holes, and they had no pass rushing. Thank God it was Marcus Mariota. I mean, how do you throw, have a quarterback rating of 79 with no pass rush in your face? Yeah. And the one great thing was once the Saints got in front, then you said, "Wow, now Mariota's got to drop back and be a traditional quarterback, and that's yeah. probably not going to hurt you." Here's the one thing the Saints defense did right, and also the Falcons coaching staff did wrong, both all in, in one. Kyle Pitts, two catches for 19 yards. You, you see that? If you're a Falcons fan, that can't happen. Yeah, yeah. I, it just can't happen. I mean, Drake London looked really good. And I've talked about in the offseason, uh, in the summer previews, about how I think he's going to be a really good receiver. But you, you can't have two catches for Kyle Pitts and expect you're going to win any football game. I'm sorry if you're that. Yeah, no, and, and I got to feel it in three or four weeks. If they keep, if they run Mariota as much as they did in this one, they're going to have a different yeah. quarterback in three or four weeks anyway. And then your prediction of under, so you went under the five and a half for Atlanta. Oh, under. Yeah. They're going to, yeah. They're, yeah. Uh, look, what, what I saw and they were, they did some did good things. I say under, cause I don't think they're going to have their quarterback. No, they're, they're going to go under. You don't want a game that basically gifted you. I mean, when you get you gifted a win. Oh, yeah, you're right. If you you're not win. Yeah, they're, they're, they're terrible. 
I mean, and Marcus Mariota, I mean, you could say he played well. That's fine. I mean, he, he for him, he played okay. Yeah. But he's not going to play that well every game. He's Marcus yeah. Mariota. There's a reason well, why. His he, quarterback rating was 79. You're saying yeah. he played well, and his quarterback rating was already poor. And he played well for him. He, so, played, well, I mean, he played well. Look, running the read option, he played well. Look, he got it to Patterson in good spots, at, and, and Mariota had, I think, 70-something well, rushing yards. The fourth like, quarter, the fourth quarter, and people can dog on Jameis all they want, but just compare. The fourth quarter, Jameis showed you what a real NFL quarterback does. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And like Marcus that. Mariota showed you what a backup quarterback does. Yeah. That, yeah, look, deal. Marcus Mariota's a great backup because he could come in and run some fancy yeah, change, stuff yeah, on the read option, change. change things and make things. He's a great backup. He's Taysom without the power. But if you play to his strengths, which is running the ball yeah. uh, the whole game, he's going to get destroyed in the yeah. NFL. Mario Davis hits him once. They, they want to, look, the, the reason why I can give the Saints defense a pass and I'm not as down on them is because – they weren't ready for that. I mean, that you could call that a coaching problem or whatever. They ready for that. They've seen it. This is the third time. They should have been ready for that. They, they, sh- they should have been. I, I know. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to give them a pass. I'm not trying to be soft on them because I'm not usually soft on anything like that. But, no, you're not soft on anything. I mean, really. I mean, this is not something you see in the NFL on a, on a regular basis. Um, and, and quite frankly, don't think for a second that they haven't been working some on Tampa Bay the last couple of weeks. They, they have absolutely – I mean, there's zero doubt in my mind that they've been working on Tampa Bay as much – not maybe not as much, but a lot on Tampa Bay the last couple of weeks. And it's certainly in their mind. So, again, I don't want to give them a pass because they stunk up the joint until the fourth quarter. But Yeah, you know. I give them a pass just because they don't have they – they're not going to see that. All right, speaking of passing, uh, we're going to pass, and uh, we're going to have you on again. You're, you're not going to London, right? I am not. Okay, so maybe, no, maybe we'll have you on London week. So, yeah, Ricardo's going to go this time. And actually, that game, Jim, is on Channel 4. It is. So, uh, NFL Network game, so by – Early by in the morning. Law, what's that? Early in the morning. Early at 8.30. We're doing a 90-minute pregame show. Are you? Wake up with Mouton screaming at you. 7 you go to bed. Yeah, I know. 7 a.m. to 8.30 a.m., 90-minute pregame show. Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing people know this. Like, um, for, for the for, – and now it's Amazon and the NFL Network and ESPN. By law, those games have to be on free broadcast television in the markets of the two teams. So the NFL Network has to be on one of the broadcast channels in both New Orleans and Minneapolis. And so it goes up for bid. And, and and we will have the NFL Network, and there might be two. The Atlanta game in December might be an NFL Network game, too. But we will have the London game on Channel 4. Um, and Ricardo is going, and we got 90 minutes leading into it. Well, God bless you, brother, because I, I know sports writers, 7 a.m. for most sports writers is really like 3 a.m. Oh, for me. I, I, I don't know what you call 3 a.m. I'm up, and I'm I'm. Typing away. I'm exactly. good at 3 a.m. So am I. I was up at if 3 a.m. last night. special at 3 a.m., I'd be wired. I'd 7 a.m. Yeah, I know. I almost feel bad when I ask you if you can come on at 9.30 in the morning. So 9.30 in the morning is rough. Yes. As well, look, and, and on Sunday nights, I, I want to get that. It's called four takeaways. I want to get the four takeaways right. written before I go to bed. So, yeah. So, usually it's, you know, by the time I get home from work, it's 1 a.m. and I'm starting. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm usually finished somewhere between 3 and 4. Monday's my poker night, and so I don't usually finish until – Wait, Monday's know. your poker night? Monday. Sunday night Sunday. Is my poker night. 
So I don't you usually get home. After the Saints game? Every Sunday. Oh, wow. And All sometimes right. on Monday. But uh, anyway. So okay. I didn't get to that's play. That's with friends or that's like? Three. It's a game I've been playing for 20 years. Oh, wow. Nice. All right. Yeah. So well, some weeks good. Some weeks You're the gambling good. guy. Yeah, pretty much. All right, Douglas. We will, I, I'm going to book it. We're going to talk to you the Monday after the London game. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. I'll be I'll be working on an hour and a half of sleep. That's perfect. <laughs> so just plan it now. Get your sleep ahead of time. Yeah, absolutely. Talk that works. Yeah, right. sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you then. All right. Didn't didn't Doug sound thrilled about coming on the Monday after the London game? We we us sports writers. I've said this before. It's like you go to you go to bed. At the end of August, and you wake up, and it's New Year's, and that's pretty much what it is. We can sleep in the off season, right? I mean, sure, we focus on other things, and we pay attention to the Pelicans, but we get a lot more sleep from January to early August than we do from August through Christmas or New Year's or whatever. It just is what it is. But it could be a lot different. We could be digging ditches, and we appreciate people that do that and picking up garbage, and God, do we appreciate people that do that for a living and fixing houses and being in attics and air, doing air-conditioned work. Love you. You probably don't get a, You probably get no sleep in the summer. Or maybe you do. I don't know. It probably depends on what age you are. But I digress. Saints, Falcons, let's talk to the common man fan. And it's funny because yesterday when I was texting D squared back and forth and I was asking him, for most of the time we were texting, I thought I was going to have the pissed off fan is was going to come on, but it changed. So we're going to have the common man fan. And look, I mean, he's probably going to sound a lot like you sounded watching the game. So we'll have 10 minutes from Dave every week, and uh, let's hear what he had to say. All aboard, all aboard the Taysom train. Conductor Dave is on the Taysom train. It doesn't work as well as it used to, but it's still fun nonetheless. What, what are you talking about? It works great. Taysom was the offense. That's what Dennis Allen said in the postgame conference. For the first Taysom three quarters. Was, he was the offense. <laughs> for the first three quarters. It's, it's, it's sad. I mean, I was rooting for him to give it to Taysom at, at some point. Well, and we almost, we almost saw the Red Rocket take the field too, man. Jesus. That, I mean, that's where, that's where we were through three quarters. All right, Dave D. Squared to Corbier here on Datitude on this Monday morning. You know, I was trying to come up with a segment that was called, I was going to call it the pissed off fan. But, I mean, at the end, we're not pissed off. So we're going to call it the common man fan. Oh, oh the common man fan. I like that. I mean, so, you know, that, that, that works too. And, I, you know, you fit that bill. And... Um, <laughs> Are you calling me common? You suck. Well, you're as common as I am. How's that? All right. That's fine. I mean, that's who we are. Uh, Are we trying to be something else? Uh, No, no, no. I don't make me spit out coffee this early in the morning. All right. Uh, What what the hell? I mean, uh, you know, it's funny because I, 
I said in my picks column that the Saints would have to rely on the leg of Will Lutz at the end of the game. And Saints fans on Monday morning would be saying, what the hell was that? And I still didn't expect it. Even though I wrote it and fully predicted it, I still didn't expect it. What the hell was that? Look, I, honestly, I, I think they just – preseason matters. As, as much as we used to dog and still dog the preseason, it matters, man. I mean, like these guys, the last home preseason game, the third game, we only saw the starters for one series, and they looked good. But that is not, you know, how they're going to perform when they come out there, you know, for, for the first game of the season. They got to play a full four quarters. I mean, they actually gave Cam Jordan a rest, and the dude commits a penalty that they throw yeah. in for Cam. So it's like, get up, Cam, back in. <laughs> but these guys, you know, they hadn't really played full game time yet. And and Jameis, as much as, look, look, you know I'm a Taysom guy, and I want Jameis to succeed trying to protect the ball too much, so he refused to make a decision. I mean, taking four yeah. sacks, I, I mean, look, we got we got Devin White next week. If you saw last night's game, what they oh. ripped up the Cowgirls, Did man. They? Oh, my God. God. I mean, uh, I'm, you know, I'm terrified I thought the now. Saints, I thought the Saints line played bad. The Cowboys line <laughs> God, looked like some, like, <laughs> bunch of cheerleaders from, from Lutcher High School or something. Good God, <laughs> man. Yeah, that, that that was a rough game to watch last night. But I mean, like, Poor I mean, Dak. I was. Nah, oh, but and now he got hurt, and that was yeah, he's gone for probably for most of the unquote, season. Several weeks, quote unquote, several weeks. Yeah, well, it came from Jerry Jones. What the hell does that dude know? Clearly, he, he, he knows nothing. He can't keep himself out. I mean, you would, could you imagine if back in the day, and Drew Brees got hurt, and Tom Benson was telling everybody. <laughs> Oh, uh, yep, Drew's going to be out for uh, several weeks. I mean. But I have a sale going on on pre-owned Mercedes-Benz <laughs> right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, my God. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, which Saints are the real Saints? And it's a question I'm posing yeah. to Doug Moots on, and I'm even posing to myself. Yes, I talk to myself. It's which Saints are the real Saints? The Saints we saw for the first three quarters or the Saints we saw in the fourth quarter? <sighs> Man, that's a tough question. I look, I I, I want to believe it's the one we saw in the fourth quarter. I, I think if you give Jameis the ability to move quickly and get out of his own way and just make some snap decisions, I mean, you can't do a two-minute drill for an entire game, clearly. Right. But you need to do some up-tempo stuff, and we're, that's going to be an absolute necessity going up against the Bucks next week. But uh, – I don't know what this Saints team is. I mean, because we've got so many names. I mean, you know, the, and, and, and oh, my God. Like, like, I don't even know where to start because, really, the offense looks on paper like they are just going to crush the world, you know. But, I mean, they did sort of show up towards the end. I mean, Jarvis Landry, who uh, I oh. personally thought was a total freaking bum. and he was Are a you bum serious? Hold on, I'm, I'm not done yet, Jim Derry. <laughs> <laughs> he was a total bum up in, in Cleveland. Him and Odell did nothing. They had their wonderful little press conference where, I love you. No, I love you. And then, <laughs> oh, then it, it's nothing. But... Uh, he is, he's really, I mean, he came out lights out. So, uh, look, I, I, I'm happy to be wrong on, on this thing because he just uh, hasn't lived up to expectations. We can be honest about that. But right now when you've got Olave and you've got Thomas and now you've got uh, Jarvis Landry out there and then you've got still got Ingram and Kamara. I mean, on paper, this looks phenomenal. 
can they do this week in, week out? I think the biggest issue is Jameis. I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to poop on Jameis, uh, but clearly. Yes, you do. Well, I do. Uh, without with, without Drew Brees, now we really sort of understand what you're missing from the elder states. When someone who knows the game inside and out, that doesn't get confused when when the when the clock is winding down. I mean, the 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 two the the the, the spike where where the clock had already stopped, and so we got intentional grounding, oh. and then he clocks it on third down to send. Right. It. Fourth down, right. Drew Brees wouldn't have made that mistake. Can he get past that? I think I think there was a lot to be said about his jitters. I mean, you know, so, I mean, he has not been on the field. So let's just say, and I'm, this is what I'm going with, that it was rust, that it was chemistry, that they got it done. You know, if, if I have to hear them say we're gritty and resilient one more time, I'm going to go over there and toilet paper the Saints facility. But that's what they're saying. And, and if they can, you know, have moved past those jitters and then they start working together. I think they'll be okay. I think a lot of it might've really been rust, but you can't have rust going against the freaking dirty birds. And you sure as hell can't have it going up against the bucks defense next week. Where was the defense? Uh, I don't know, dude. You and I were texting during the game where I'm like, we were expecting so much more, so much more. And I mean, look, I, I saw I saw little flashes of Davenport, but at the, it was funny at the end. I'm looking at Davenport. And he, he, yeah, no, they were little, but homeboy was puffing him. He's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> he was gassed by the end of the game. But you know, Michael Thomas, you know, at the at the press conference, it was funny because they're like, yeah, man, we we, we needed to get our our defense off the field. I'm like, yeah, but then y'all y'all ran down and scored so quickly in the a la Drew Brees days where the poor defense is like, oh, we, I just got my cup of water. Oh, crap, we're back on the field. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, so, if Jameis doesn't, if he, it's okay to spike the ball on third down. You, you have to spike the ball. You but do, you, but we had 29 it, seconds. Exactly, but but let the clock run down to five seconds left. Yeah. Then spike oh, yeah. it. Don't run up there and spike it and, oh. Well, I mean, look, that, that I, look, think, I've been I the think that's James a combination but... of rust. I think that's yeah, a, I a, a big combination of rust and and jitters. You know, it's first well, also, game. Of also, look, he's got he's got speakers in his helmet for a reason. Somebody <laughs> in somebody needs to be yelling at him. Don't spike it yet, or how about don't spike it when Jarvis goes out of bounds? I mean, I guess right. that one's more understandable because Jarvis was running back so. Jarvis didn't make it seem like he went out of bounds. He probably didn't even know. And, I right, mean, he right. lands in bounds. So, that one's understandable. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't even realize what the hell was going on at the time. So, yeah. that one's understandable. But third down and you run up to the line with 26 seconds left or whatever oh. and you spike it, you, somebody's got to be yelling in his ear, hold on, man, hold on. Yeah, right. I mean, if anything, you could have just ran a quick outplay. I mean, just just you know, just you know, throw an incomplete pass, throw it out of bounds, right. but burn some of the time. I mean, it was just like he was so frantic, like, oh, we got to get it down. So, look, I, we saw flashes of what Javis can be. When that, that first Michael Thomas connection, I mean, you know, they only had, what, a little bit of separation, Mike Thomas did, but he went up and got the ball. Same thing with Jarvis Landry. He went up and got the ball, and Jameis has that accuracy that my, my boy Taysom sometimes does not have. Sorry, Taysom. Uh, yeah. So, look, I, you know, we bagged on Jameis for so long, and, and yesterday – what? Yo, come on. Yeah, you, you, you've been nice to him the entire tenure of his Saints uh, career. Shut up. Been, Stop lying. I've been nicer <laughs> to him than I've been to Taysom. Uh, well, maybe sure, whatever. I don't know. I think I think you're having convenient memory here, Mister Derry. But still, uh, look, 
He's good. There's no, there's no doubt about it. And I really think that a, a lot of this was rust, was jitters. They knocked this stuff off. The Saints team can, you know, we we got out with the win. And I'm sure right now, as they're watching tape, it is not comfortable. I'm sure they're all squirming sure. in their seats right now. So I'm sure they're gonna be like, damn it, man. We've been running laps for the next month. You know? All right. So I really am holding this segment to as close to 10 minutes as possible. Uh, so okay. my my last question for you is for the common man fan is. Have you unclenched your butt cheeks yet? That is a negative. That is a negative. I am still, I'm expecting another flag to come in at any moment, you know, and extend the game. Wait a minute. Like, All right, Get come back, back on here. the field. Come back on the field. We got to kick another field goal. Hey, dude, yeah. Yo, Lee, Lee Ho, Lee Ho, whatever the Young hell. Way Koo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Young Ho. It's Young Ho. It's <laughs> actually pronounced Young Way. Yeah, Young Ho. And so okay. like, they're going to bring him back on there, and he's going to just try to kick it. I mean, I got 63 yards. Oh, my God. Like, And, and I fully expected him to make that. So, no, I actually kind of did, too, to be honest. I am still, I'm still <laughs> nervous right now. I, like, I'm, I, I've reduced. I've put a little extra water in my coffee because I'm still worried about my, my caffeine intake yeah. and my blood pressure. Yeah, yeah. Check, check the blood pressure so you can <laughs> come on next Monday. All right, give us a twenty-second quick synopsis of what the hell's going on in in with the D squareds. With the oh, the Weekend Geek. The Weekend Geek. Oh my God! All right, so look, I I had Grant Morrison last week, but over the past uh, couple of months, man, I've had uh, oh my God, I had the Big Show, Paul White. I've had uh, Rick Springfield. I've had. Yeah, dude, he was fun, man. He he was he was a little depressing at some points, uh, but oh my god, they're like Why, is it Yeah, there. Well, there is that. There is that. Uh, but no, man. Like, look, follow us on on Facebook at at the Week and Geek Radio Show on Twitter at Twig Radio. Uh, I've got oh my god, like I had a whole bunch of '80s people come on too. Like, remember that movie Teen Witch, the girl who was uh, the the love interest in Karate Kid Part Three. Uh, oh my God! It was so. How the hell did you find these obscure people? <laughs> I, look, I'm good at what I do. You know, you I really are. I mean, weird people, and then I have fun with it. Brecken Meyer, who was in, he does Robot Chicken. He was in Clueless. Yeah, He's okay. The, yeah. Uh, so, like, we started talking about Double Dare, and he and I started, you know, joking about, you know, Mark Summers would need a celebrity Double Dare, like the old Nickelodeon oh. thing with slime everywhere. Oh, dude. It was right. fun, man. Weekend we Geek, you, you, you got to turn it on. It's it's Sunday nights at 7, am I right? That is correct. Sunday um, nights at 7 on News Talk, 99.5 WRNO. Make sure you check it out and check him out. He's Dave D. Squared DeCorbier, and he's the Common Man fan, and we'll be talking to him after every Saints game this year, assuming that he wants to give us the pleasure. Sure, what the hell? I got nothing else going on. <laughs> Talk to you next week. I, I, and you didn't curse. Good on you, Jim. I know. I, you I could have done this awesome. live. I, was like, I can't do you live because <laughs> <laughs> for some reason you made me say filth, flaw, and filth work. So I can't, I can't do you live. But we'll, 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 do, we'll work on that. <laughs> Talk to you later. All right, bro. Common man fan. Every show needs one. Okay. Well, this show ran a lot longer than I expected on a Monday. In the future Mondays, we're going to. Probably cut this maybe in half. But we appreciate it. If you have made it through, all the way through, you're a diehard. We appreciate you. And we appreciate all the Datitude fans out there. Uh, we have grown throughout the year. We have almost made it to a full year. It'll be a full year, I think, um, either next week or the week after. i got to go look and see what the date is on uh, the show with Stan Verrett, which is Datitude number one. But you can listen to Datitude if you're... 
If you have not found us yet on your favorite podcast platform and you're just listening on bet.noah.com, you can go find it. You can be notified every time there's a new Datitude. But I can tell you, Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays throughout the football season, unless there's a weird Saints schedule, that's what will be. Monday will be recap of the Saints. Thursday will be our betting show in which we give you our top picks. Uh, we did so-so this week. And then Fridays, obviously, with Jeff Duncan live and then showing up here in your podcast platform. Uh, that's how the schedule is going to work throughout the season. And uh, before we leave you, we've told you everything we could tell you how we feel about the Saints. I mean, it could be a lot worse. They could be 0-1. You could be a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean... We didn't really even get a chance to get in our overreactions but, uh, from other teams. But Indianapolis Colts tie-in with the Texans. What in the holy heck was that? The, the double doinks and Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and the Bengals are 0-1. Pittsburgh now could be without T.J. Watt for the season. There's a lot of weird things going on this first week. And it's going to wrap up tonight with Russell Wilson Playing his first game for the Denver Broncos. Fig- go figure. Where else? He's going to do it in Seattle. That's tonight on Monday Night Football. We'll talk about maybe some of that as we go along and probably in our bet show. We tried to figure out how we're going to end this show today. And, well, this song seems to capture everything that the Saints went through really quickly. I trying to think, how can we capture it? Here's how we capture it. Little Aerosmith. Living on the edge. Saints fans are probably still living on the edge. They probably still are waiting for the flag to come through. Wait, we're going to give Young White, as Dave said, we're going to give Young White Coot one more shot. Let's hope it's a little different next week, a little easier on the ticker. And uh, give a little pound into Tom Brady. Show him that you love him. A a few love taps. Got to get in there. We will talk to you Thursday when we talk about the NFL Week 2 and College Football Week 3 with Uncle Big Nick. Then again on Friday with Jeff Duncan. We will talk to you then. Have a great week. Peace and love, my friends.